This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. So I'm going to let you into my heart and what I've been walking through the last two days. Not for a pity party, for, for, the, for the sake of more. Say more. more. For the sake of us positioning ourselves for more of God. I'm going to say some things that I typically don't say because... They are a byproduct. Power is a byproduct of presence. All right, I want you to say that. Power is a byproduct of presence. Say this His power comes from Him, and He is His presence. It's really important that we understand that. I say it all the time He is His presence, His presence is Him. Learning to live in the presence is learning to live in Him. Learning to live with the presence is learning to live with Him. What God is wanting to do in this generation is put a face on the presence. In other words, to make His presence personal. Say amen. To make His presence personal. The moment his presence becomes Jesus, now a relationship is offered. Sadly, in much of revival culture, we use the term presence and don't give it an identity. Because of that, we draw a dividing line between God and his presence. There's no difference between Michael and Michael's presence. If you, if you invite me, if I get a, a, an invitation from you, and that invitation says, we request the presence of Michael Culianos at my birthday party, you're not asking for the thought or for the historical facts pertaining to my life. You're asking me to come. All I am. You're asking me to show up, to literally come. Now, if you said, I am invi- we request your presence, and that's often, it's often termed that way. Kings will say, the king of so-and-so requests your presence at this meeting. If I sent him the bullet points of my bio, he would be deeply offended. And, and what we need to realize is that his presence is the actual him. His presence is him among us. Or let me say it like this. His presence is Him present. His presence is Him present. Now, Jesus Himself actually has a body. I want you to think of that. There is an actual God-man seated at the right hand of the Father right now with a body. A real God-man. He will always have a body. Are you hearing me? The reason he has a body is because he's your high priest. And he's the firstborn among many brethren, a completely new breed that the, that the universe has never seen. The God-man Christ Jesus, the scripture says, whoever lives to intercede for us. Oh. Now that word intercede, <laughs> can I just be me? 
doesn't necessarily look like a, a man or woman stomping on the ground with a shofar up in heaven or Jericho marching. That's not what Jesus is doing, though sometimes that might help. <laughs> when you get nervous, do a Jericho march. Blow the shofar. We had somebody blowing the shofar at the baptism. It was actually pretty cool. I don't understand it all, but it matters. But interceding is actually the Lord connecting us and the Father forever, actually telling the Father, I understand why that's going on in his life. I felt the same thing. So he himself has become our intercession. That's actually happening. The Lord has a body. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. In the midst of the throne, when John saw in the book of Revelation, was a lamb. Jesus is seated forever. Now his presence on the earth is the person of the Holy Spirit, though it's impossible to divide them. So learning to walk with the Holy Spirit is learning to walk with Jesus himself. The Holy Spirit is so wonderful at revealing Jesus, now listen, that he empowered the disciples with an anointing and a ministry that they did not have while they walked with Jesus in the flesh. You missed that. They doubted, I want you to think of this, Jesus multiplies bread and fish for thousands. They get in the boat to cross the other side and the disciples are already freaking out because they forgot bread for their little trip across the lake. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit doesn't take up residence in you. So the scripture says Moses knew the Lord's ways, Israel knew his acts. It's possible to know his acts and not believe him. Imagine watching the Lord multiply for tens of thousands of people, maybe 15,000 people total. Bread and fish with leftovers, and you finally get in a boat, and you've got a, about a half-day journey across the lake, and, and you say, oh my God, we don't have bread. You, you know what? And Jesus, the Bible says Jesus was amazed by their unbelief. I don't blame him. He was probably like, what in the world? That's why he said stuff like this. How long do I have to bear with you? <laughs> non-believing, unbelieving generation. My Lord, you can't even cast out a devil? Jesus looked at his unregenerated disciples and said, you can't even get a devil out? Like, what, what are you doing? Because that's easy. Today we cast out a devil, we go, oh my gosh. I am the next Apostle Paul. <laughs> Jesus was shocked that his non-born-again disciples couldn't get a dumb devil out. And part of that is because of what was going on right here. We need our minds to change. Our thinking has to shift. So two nights ago, I was, I thought, was it two nights ago? When I got the phone call. When we were at Daniel's. Yeah. Jess is like, it's been a long week. And she's like, yeah, right, two, two, two nights ago. So two nights ago, we were over at Daniel's. I was eating ribs. I like ribs. Anyone like beef ribs? No. 
the rest of you will be praying for. <laughs> so I was eating these beef ribs, having a wonderful time with Daniel and Eric and Ben Fitzgerald, and we were sitting around. Our families were there. And uh, our phone rings, and it's Jesse's sister, Tosh. She's calling from California, and she's like, can you pray for my, our friend's daughter? Her friend actually, I think, works at, with my father-in-law in California. She's on staff there at this TV studio. I guess they were vacationing here in Orlando. I said, what happened? And um, Tosh said they were just in a car accident. And the mom is fine, but the baby's not breathing. The four-year-old girl, not a baby, a four-year-old child. So when she sent me the text... I didn't know that happened in Orlando because she didn't say this happened in Orlando. She said, will you pray? I said, of course. So we started crying out to God. Ben and I, we were on our way to Daniel's actually when we got the first text. By the time we got there, we got the second text. And the second text, I believe, said something like, she's actually the little girl is in Orlando. And uh, she's not breathing. And then she said, uh, would you go pray for her? So, I was at a Christmas party. But how many of you know the Lord doesn't anoint you for Christmas parties? And um, I, think, I think we need to realize on many levels this is a war. Now the war's been won, but we're enforcing this victory. And that requires sacrifice. There's no way around it. If you won't leave your Christmas party to go save a baby's life, then you're not doing the right thing. So, uh, so I, I, I looked at, I said, guys, I got to go. Ben's like, let's go. So we, Ben was staying at the house, and we went. And um, we drove there, and then I get, I get a text that the baby, is, the child is brain dead. I don't know the family at all. They're just a friend of the family. So I get there. I felt faith. You know, I felt good. The last time I did that, the baby got up. So I felt I, I wasn't excited about what happened to the baby, but I felt better than most. You know, I don't know how to explain it. I just felt, okay, let's go. We have to do a job. Let's go to work. So I walked in, and we walked up the stairs. There were police officers in the ICU. At first, they wouldn't let us in. But when you have a job to do, you find a way. You know, you got to not break rules, but you got to believe God. So I made a phone call. I said, hey, I'm here. Get me in. I didn't drive over here to sit in the lobby. you got to... <laughs> This is what we signed up for. This is what we do. So, so the one lady said, you can't go in. So we took the elevator upstairs, and there was those, you know, guarded doors of police in there over at Arnold Palmer Hospital. And then we just asked again, but we asked a different lady upstairs, and they let us in on the intercom. We said, hey, we're here to pray for her. her name was Princess. We're here to pray for Princess. 
She said, oh, come on in. So she let us in. And when we walked in, the scene was so intense that it jarred me. It, you know, I didn't know what I was walking into. And it was so intense that it, it shook my soul. Like, I was like, oh. What I walked into was a mom in the bed with her four-year-old holding her. And she, she looked up when I walked in. She told her family, oh, he's here. He's here. And (laughs) hope filled her when I walked in. I thought, oh, wow. But the scene was so intense that it, I could feel it trying to knock me off what God was saying. And because the Lord is a person, last month's method doesn't guarantee that it'll work this month. Do you follow me? So there are many ways to get a miracle in the Bible. There are many avenues to the breakthrough, I should say. Many scriptures that give these different avenues. One, one is the spoken word. The Bible says Jesus sent his word, the centurion, and, and, and that centurion's servant was healed. One is by walking by somebody when you're charged with God's glory. That's happened to me, where I've walked by people. I didn't pray for them, and they got healed, literally like joints snapping. When I just walked by, uh, laying on of hands is one way. People get healed in worship. People get healed in high praise. People get healed in so many different ways, but when you walk into a moment like this, you need presence. You, you need to walk in the presence so intimately that the presence reveals the proper principle. Because you have to know which of the five stones to throw at Goliath. So, so fear, fear blows you off that platform and, and you can't hear. So when I came in, that mama was laying on the side of that bed on her side with holding the baby, screaming to God. And the baby's neck had snapped, so it was in a neck brace, and the machine was keeping her alive. And then she, she when I, like I said, I walked in and the mom was saying to her family, here he is, here he is, here he is. So we prayed and prayed, and I was waiting, I'd go in the corner because God didn't break that baby's neck. I said, God did not break that baby's neck. Breakthrough or not, God did not break that baby's neck. 
the breakthrough or the lack thereof is not on God's end. Jesus has done enough. I'm not blaming myself or anyone else. I'm just saying God did not break that baby's neck. Sadly, some of the church believes that God would break that baby's neck. We have people in the church that believe that if people get healed, watch out. It could be the devil. And if they get sick, it could be the Lord teaching them a lesson. It's so stupid. It's stupid and it's an offense to the Lord. But people that actually believe that and teach that Jesus would give his back and die and pay for healing and pay for divine health and at the same time go kill a four-year-old girl. So I'm asking the Lord, what are you doing in here? What, what do I need to join? What, what, what are you doing? Is it, so I'm looking through the scriptures. I'm singing. I'm praying. And we stayed for a long time and fought. Fought for that little girl. And we left, and she, she, she didn't get up when we left. We, we walked out. And we weren't happy when we walked out. Ben and I were not happy. We walked out, we got on that elevator, and we said, we need more of God. Yes. We need more power. We, we, we need more. It's God, listen to me. Listen to me. I'm not here to wow you. I'm, th- I'm thankful that you're amening me. I am, but I'm not here to get you roused up right now. I'm here to get you to go after the Lord. I'm not here to get you going with all these cool sayings so that you can talk back to me. I am talking to you tonight so that some of your minds would be so renewed that you would get with God and say, I've got to have more. This is why. For real people who have real problems. These are, these are actual scenarios. Like, this is happening. Listen to me. This is happening right now. A 20-minute drive from here you can go to the children's hospital at Disney Pavilion and there are real moms who when they got pregnant didn't sign up to have their six-year-old on chemo. I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at the devil. I'm here to, I'm here to God. I'm here to get you. I mean, out of this Pentecostal, no Pentecost. It's like sayings with, if you're going to amen me tonight, then you're making a vow in your heart. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go after God. So that woman, we waited, we prayed, we left. We didn't talk. We had nothing to say to each other. Ben and I love each other, but we went there to do a job. And I don't think we failed, but that's not the new covenant. Parents don't call on a men of God to not get a breakthrough. It's not why they called us. They didn't call us to hug them. Are, are you hearing me? They called us because they want their daughter to, to, to live. They want to walk her down the aisle. They, they think it's wrong, and it is wrong. It's the devourer. I don't understand it all. We live in a fallen world, but I know my job my job is to bring Jesus into that room. And Jesus doesn't turn crying moms away like that. 
You say, well, what went wrong? I don't know. I just know it wasn't him. This is basic New Testament teaching. Jesus turned nobody away. Everyone he prayed for, they got their miracle. He's the standard, not our pastor, not your favorite preacher. Jesus is the standard. Are you hearing me? Now, I'm not feeling shame and condemnation. I'm feeling pain for that mom. I know that baby is in a better place. I know that. It was as if she was there while we were praying for her because she was in a coma. It seemed like she was. I'm not dealing with shame and condemnation. My heart is grieving for those parents that said goodbye to their kid that night. She's just on vacation driving, and their life changed in a second. And I couldn't help but put myself in her shoes. Grown men and uncles on their knees screaming, God, save my daughter. So Ben and I were quiet because... I think what we did pleased the Lord. We got up and left. I think that's an offering. We did everything we needed to do. Yet still, we knew what the goal was. The goal was that baby living and getting her neck healed and getting out of that bed. So we, we went home that night. We started to talk a little more. We were, there were extended stints of silence in the car. And... You know, and then things got back to normal. And then that morning, Jesse came to me and she said, Princess is gone. So, this, all these emotions started running through my head yesterday. A million miles a minute. I just didn't doubt God. I just could feel the pain of the family. And This power and presence has to seep and find its way into those moments or we're just, <laughs> we're just not as authentic as we should be. Like it's got to go beyond Jesus 18. It's got to go beyond these nights. It's got to go, uh, it's cr- I'm great you know me. I am grateful for every body that's shaking and crying and laughing. I want it all. But I want that. Uh, it's that river has got to flow into a yielded body to the degree that when they think, who can I call in this city? And they reach out by faith that a breakthrough comes. So I, I, uh, I reached out to Bill Johnson yesterday because anytime you lead a movement, you're going to go through stuff like this. If you sign up for the healing ministry, this is, you're going to walk into situations that are a little different than fire tunnels where everyone's happy. I love the fire tunnels. We need those because of what these moments do to us. We need joy. You know, I'm not going to allow this to take me out of joy. I can't. So I talked to Bill. I texted him. I said, Bill, this is what happened. He said, this is not okay. Number one, don't you ever think the Lord did this to this girl, basically. This is not okay. 
That's where he started. Well, actually, he started with crying emojis. And I'm so sorry because that's what a father does. He connects with the heart, doesn't he? You always connect with the heart and then begin to teach. He said, I'm so sorry. Then he went on and I needed what he had to say. He said, this is not all right that this happened. And, and he said, this is what I want you to do. Don't demand answers from God. Don't demand answers. He said, we don't understand everything. So embrace that mystery. And you're allowed to mourn. He said, but you must mourn properly. If you mourn improperly, it will lead you into unbelief. If you mourn properly, it will lead you into breakthrough. He said, this is what it means to, to mourn properly. Go get with God and ask for more. Ask for more. So I've been consumed with this today. Isn't it amazing that the day after Jesus 18 that I, that I had to walk through that? But it's, it's in these moments where I more intentionally anchor my confession and my heart into the nature of God that actually create a fortress, a godly stronghold that the devil cannot steal from me. And it's walking that fine line. You can't move into condemnation and self-hatred and focus on what God didn't do. But you also have to realize the reality and not overlook people's pain and then call it faith. It's not faith to watch people die and think it's okay. And so I began to cry out to the Lord today, I need more. And I want to read this scripture to you. Psalm 100. Am I boring you guys? Okay. Psalm 100, verse 5. Let me read it to you out loud. For the Lord is good. Say that. Say it again. Say it again. 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 The Lord is good. He is good. Now let me say this really clearly. Maybe some of you would disagree. I would just invite you to read your Bible or go visit someone who's struggling with this. Cancer is not good. Cancer is not good. Bipolar is not good. Depression is not good. Anxiety is not good. MS is not good. Are you hearing me? Fear is not good. Poverty is not good. Poverty of the heart is great. You not being able to feed your children is not good. We have drifted so far that we call miracle breakthrough demonic and we call the assaults of the devil God. The church needs a mass repentance. I would never inflict my kids, as Bill says, I would never inflict my children with sickness to teach them a lesson. There are so many ways to teach people lessons. A tumor's not one of them. And if we can't figure this out, then what in the world are we rebuking? 
If God sent the tumor, then you're rebuking God when you rebuke the tumor. God doesn't give his children sickness. Jesus gave his back to pay for the sickness. It's been fully purchased. Are are, are you hearing me? The Lord is good. He's good. That has to go deep into your soul. God is a good God. That's what Oral talked about all his life, and it sounded so new. It wasn't new to the Lord, but the world needed to hear it. The church needed to hear it. God is good. That's why the Bible says that Jesus went about doing good. Now, according to Hebrews chapter 1, Jesus is the express image of the Father. Are you hearing me? Is this too intense for some of you guys? Because some of you guys are yawning. Maybe I need to go to work on you. I didn't come here to play games tonight. I came here for a hungry person to get a breakthrough. We're all tired. I promise you we're tired. We've all been believing. We've all been working hard. Oh my God, am I tired. But someone's got to get this here. Someone's got to get this. There's got to be someone who can walk in a hospital and get that sickness off that little kid. Because this stuff is happening. You Look, at the end of the day, we can like pretend it's not. Maybe that makes you feel better. But the moment you say, the Lord, an- Lord anoint me, you're going to walk into those moments. That's why he anointed you. That's what David said. You have trained my hands for war. War. This is a fight. This is a battle. Someone's got to get this. Someone's got to go beyond the gifting of their fathers. Somebody's got to go beyond. Someone has to get with God and say, touch my life so that those kids get their life back, so that that marriage can be healed. Someone's got to go for it here. Are are you hearing me? There's got to be someone here who's like, look, I don't know exactly what it takes, but I'm going to die trying. The Lord is good. He's incredibly good. Now, in these moments, as we embrace this mystery... As we, as we don't change the nature of God because of the mystery, but actually embrace the mystery. And don't blame the Lord by saying the Lord works in mysterious ways. As we lift the praise in that moment, as we're walking in that tension... All of the sudden, we're building a stronghold of God. Because we're saying this. It doesn't make sense to me. But you're good. You are good. Now, notice the Lord did not say. I want you to hear this. There's an awesome message called Enduring Faith that I want to encourage you guys to listen to. I listened to it today. It's the message, and, and you'll hear a lot of what I'm talking about in this. It's a message Bill Johnson preached the Sunday after his father died of cancer. It's an amazing message. But the scripture says, Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? I want you to think about that. He didn't say, will he find miracles? 
He didn't say, will he find perfect people? They're not out there, by the way. <laughs> he said, will he find faith? Faith says, this doesn't make sense, but this situation has not changed the Lord. Not one bit. Now, it's in that seeking, in that searching, in that hunger, it's, it's on that road of the quest for more of Jesus on us, that without knowing, the Lord actually begins to change us along the way. And, and, and we're so intense with our hunger that we're not looking at our process. We're looking at the Lord, and a year later we go, oh, wow, I'm different. Never realizing that we are strengthening so that we can carry more of his power. Now David writes in the Psalms, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. I think it's either Psalm 18.1 or Psalm 19.1. It's either one of those two Psalms. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. David was the greatest warrior king And he gives us the secret to the strength that he had in war. And this is what it was. I love you, Lord. Hear me. David loved God more than he hated Goliath. I hear a lot of people walk around with the Christianese and they go, man, I hate the devil. That's great. Do you love Jesus? That's awesome, because if you love Jesus, you will naturally hate the devil. The key is motive. You see, David killed Goliath because he loved the God of Israel. That was the motive. What did he say? You're letting this uncircumcised Philistine mock the God of Israel? Let me at him. Let me at him. He wasn't the greatest, most skilled warrior in the flesh, but he knew something. When I get my heart, something happens over me. When I play all alone, something happens to me. I feel a weight come on me. And when a bear comes, when that weight is on me, I grab my slingshot and I don't have to throw it more than once. Are you hearing me? I love you, Lord. You are my strength. This breakthrough doesn't so much come with the greater quest to hate the devil more. It is the natural byproduct of those who love their God. They hate cancer because Jesus died and defeated it. Listen, they are demonic trophies pent up in the bodies of men and women. You say, well, I got closer to Jesus when I went through that. Of course, because God can work everything together for the good. But that does not mean that God is okay with that disease. The origin, listen, I know this might sound old school to some of you. we got to get back to this stuff. This is not all right. This is not okay. This <laughs> we need to move beyond healing. That's where we got to get to consistently and then move into divine health. Because in the cloud, nobody's sick. That's why Moses didn't even lose his eyesight. God just buried him. 
under a lesser covenant. Are you hearing me? Under a lesser covenant. It just takes like one person, man. Do you know, do you know how this whole ministry started? I saw so much stuff that I knew wasn't of the Lord. And I'd meet this person and that person. And I'll never forget, I was walking through Disney, which God, she drives me, she makes me go to Disney once a year. <laughs> you do it for your daughter. Every birthday for Sophia, it's go to Disney. And for me, oh God, it's in August and it is hot. And it is, oh, the lines, the body odor, it's like, what? I mean, it took an hour and a half just to get to the car when you're done. An hour and a half to get in. Huh? More than that. Exactly. Exactly, buddy. So I needed to use the restroom. On, I was right there on Main Street uh, and, uh, in Magic Kingdom. So I, I walked around. The, the, I found that the restrooms are in the back. They're behind all the stores. And when I got behind Main Street, I noticed that they weren't colorful and beautiful buildings. From the other side, they were just these gray facades. And they all looked the same, and they were pretty boring and ugly. And sometimes that's what ministry can look like. Because you start seeing stuff, you're like, that's not Jesus, that's not Jesus, that's not. I had a great example of my father-in-law. I'm not referring to him. But I'm talking about like other stuff I ran into. Because you'd meet other stuff. You go in and out. You start dealing with people. And I saw this is... And when I walked behind to use the restroom, the Lord spoke to me. He goes, this is what ministry is life without me. Life without me, he said. On that side of the facade, it's beautiful. That's where the crowds are. If they only walk to this side, they see. It's pretty ugly back here, and it stinks. Something deep inside of me said, this is not about the ministry. This is about Jesus. This isn't about getting rich. Ultimately, this is about Jesus. This isn't about building my brand. This is about Jesus. And I started digging, 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 digging. And I started making hard choices that cost me relationships, but I found that it birthed a new relationship with me and the Lord. And all of a sudden, a message was birthed while I was all alone with God. All alone with God. Nobody was having me preach. Nobody wanted me to preach. They all thought I was a liability. They thought I was crazy. My in-laws had just gone through their, their divorce. Thank God they reconciled. But Jesus' image was birthed in the middle of that divorce. Nobody wanted a thing to do with me. They would even tell me, bro, sorry, I can't have you again. You're a liability now. I said, well, what did I do? They're like, nothing, but you're connected. They said, maybe you should distance yourself from your father-in-law. I said, how can I do that? I'm married to his daughter, and he led me to Jesus. You distance yourself from those that impacted you. I'm not going that route. I'm not a genie. You know what I'm saying? Because that's harlotry. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I get people all the time that say, if you keep running with these old... I'm not, I'm not joking. Can I just be real with you? You guys are family. I get people all the time and say, don't run with these old dudes. They're going to limit your crowds. You know, like the, the older fathers who come, they're going to limit your crowds. I'm thinking, well, it's not working. The crowds are doubling. People are hungry. They want Jesus. So I'm getting all this advice. And I was like, you know what? No, I'm doing what the Bible says. I'm going to get with God. And a message was birthed. It was birthed at a desire, out of a desire for purity, for the real deal. I will feel that stirring me in me again. We don't need, we got to call what is of the devil, the devil, and call what is of God, God. Listen to me. Sickness is of the devil. And I'm not saying you have a devil if you're sick. 
I've been sick. I understand that. What I am saying is this, that the origin of all sickness is from the devil. This is so basic. This is basic Bible. And some say, well, maybe he doesn't do that today. Well, here's my next question. What else has he stopped doing? You said that was for then. Well, it was saving your soldiers for then? Because if that's the case, we got a problem on our hands. If Jesus is going to change his mind regarding our salvation in a million years, we have a big problem. But his character is eternal on every front of his character. He doesn't know how to change. That's why he honors his word above his own name. Do you understand the weight and magnitude of the name of Jesus? It's the name above every name. That didn't come by accident, by the way. He earned it. The Bible says because he died and even died the death of the cross, therefore he has earned the name above every name. And every knee will bow, the Bible says, in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth, and, and declare that Jesus is Lord. The name of Jesus literally shakes heaven. He's the centerpiece of heaven. He's the point of heaven. He's the point of your Bible. The Father loves the name of Jesus so much that he said, okay, here's the deal. Because you so yielded, I am giving you from now on the name above every name. Because you died and yielded your life. And then the scripture says, God honors his word above his own name. Why? Because if you can't trust him, you got a problem. If he changes his word one iota, now he can't be trusted. And if he can't be trusted, he cannot be known. Sickness is still bad. And sickness is still from the devil. From the devil. It's from hell. That's the origin. There was no sickness in the garden. There is no sickness in heaven. What is the will of God? On earth as it is in heaven. That's the will of God. Sickness. God doesn't want his church to be sick. On the flip side, God is good. God doesn't have healing. He is healing. God is health itself. We have to stop tolerating allergies if we're going to be trusted with cancer. You say, man, that sounds extreme. Well, why do you want to keep it? You say, I feel closer to the Lord. Trust me, there's a better way. There's a better way. You can, you can really love Jesus and be so healthy. Jesus went about doing good. God anointed him with power. And he went about destroying the works of the devil. What did the early church cry out for? Stretch forth your hand in the name of your holy servant, Jesus, and grant us signs and wonders. Stretch forth your hand to heal, the early church cried. And Today, our brothers and sisters get sick, and we go, well, maybe the Lord's teaching them a lesson. Come on. Come on, Jesus paid a price once and for all. You say, I don't know what to do. Man, just get in the game. I, I, it's proof the other night that I don't know what to do every time. But I, that doesn't give me permission to say that Jesus is bad. 
Can you give me five minutes? Then we'll take communion. Can, can you please? Because God's going to drive sickness out of many of your bodies tonight. And look, look, look. I know, <laughs> I know this is not the most Christmas Eve Eve message. But that's just not me. Like, I'm not going to jump around like the nutcracker and do all this stuff. Like, that's just not me. I mean, if you want to go, I, I don't know. But I've got, I had to get this out tonight. I had to, I had to let God know. When I, I, when I walked, when I, yesterday I felt such a heaviness. And I said, Lord, I want to declare tomorrow night that you're still good. That you're still good. I, I want to I declare it. I don't understand everything, but I've got to say it. So thanks for bearing with me, because this is therapeutic for me. There's something about releasing the character of the Lord in an environment. I'm telling you, tonight, something is being established in us all. Something's being established. There, there are little gates taking place in the Spirit. There's gates that are being built that are going to give us access into the greater realms of His presence and power that we didn't have before. It takes childlike, crazy people in the midst of confusion to go, no, 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 God is a healer. It's got to be down deep in your soul that whether you're sick or somebody in your family is sick, you can still declare whether you have a tear in your eye or not in a broken heart that's totally legal. But in your, in your, in, in your guts, in the core of who you are, you have to purpose in your, in your heart to come hell or high water. God doesn't change. He is a healer. He is a miracle worker. And you learn. You learn in those moments. And this is what David said. Bless the Lord. Listen. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. So that your youth is renewed like an eagle. There are, listen to me, there are moments in life where you're going to have to, 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 to lace up and go, soul, bless the Lord. You're going to have to learn to talk to yourself a little bit. Are, are you with me? Say this, I'm a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. If you're going to make, if you're going to be found faithful and true as a servant of God, you're going to have to lace up and go, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Not just when something makes sense. It will continually be in my mouth. And David here speaks to his soul by the Spirit. Because his soul was cast down. That's why he wrote, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? He's having a conversation with himself. You might sound crazy to your spouse. Do it anyways. Do it anyways. You're going to have to look, you're going to have to talk to yourself and go, soul, you are discouraged. Little princess died. You did your best. But you will bless the Lord right now. I will bless the Lord. Are you hearing me? And you will not forget his benefits. And these are the benefits. He forgives all of your iniquities, every single one of them. How many of you know that if one remained, you would not make heaven? 99 is a good score for us. It takes 100 to be with the Lord. Who forgives all your iniquity? Every single one. The iniquity is even the inner sin, the thoughts, 
the motives that nobody sees but God, he forgives it all. All. Say all. all. He heals all your diseases. Every single one. He heals all your diseases. Forget not. That means you have to bring them back into your awareness. You have to let them ascend before the eyes of your heart and actually hold them there. And you are a healing Jesus. As many as touched you were made whole. By your stripes we are healed. Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And that's what you're starting to do. You're remembering the benefits of the Lord. That he satisfies your mouth with good things. He's a good God. You've got to do this. Notice this. That iniquity being forgiven and sickness being healed are brother and sister. That's why Jesus said, what's easier for me to say? Take up your mat and walk or your sins are forgiven. You pick. They both work together. I'll do both. I want you tonight to muster something up in you, not by the flesh, but as a faithful son who can give God, as Bill would say, something now that I can never give him in eternity, and this is what that is, a praise offering when it doesn't make sense. That is something we cannot do, something we can't do in heaven, because there will be nothing to be confused about. But when we offer something down here in the midst of that tension, we're giving away something we could never offer again. And it's a holy privilege. And this is what happens. I need to read this to you. This is what happens. We're going to do it right now. I like this translation better. Give me one second. Yeah. It's Psalm 149. Verse 8. I want you to look down at this. This is God is equipping you tonight. Equipping you tonight. Are you ready? I'm going to start at verse 5. If you're able, look at it. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Listen. Listen. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. Say high praise. Say it again. Say it, John. Say it. And a two-edged sword in their hand. Are you listening? Let the high praise be in their mouth. And this is what comes with that. A sword in your hand. Praise is a weapon. Praise enforces what the Lord paid for. And this is what that sword does in verse 7. To execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples. Listen, to bind their kings with chains. Those are the principalities and devils. To bind those kings. 
with chains. You bind the devil when you praise the Lord. You silence him. You paralyze his capability with praise. And their nobles, those are other spirits, with fetters of iron. You enforce their captivity. We are not prisoners. They are prisoners. As a great man named Bob Mumford said, I read the last chapter. We win. We win. Listen, verse 9. To execute on them the written judgment, this honor have all the saints. Are you hearing me? God has issued a judgment on the powers of hell. A judgment. It's in the scriptures. You get to enforce it. For instance, it is written in a law book that if you steal, you go to jail. That doesn't keep people from stealing every day. That law needs to be enforced. Two things enforce that. The authority on that policeman, that's the badge, and the power that he has, that's the gun. You break the rules, you disrespect the badge, you might meet the gun. It's not a good idea. Are you hearing me? It's not a good idea. Now, in the kingdom, when a tumor jumps up in a saint, it is trespassing. It has come to devour and steal. Are you listening? There's a law written in the scriptures, and this is the law. That by his stripes, you were healed. You were healed. And when that devil tries to afflict you, your mind or your children... There's a way to enforce the written word of God that is the law of the Spirit. And this is what it is. High praise. Now this is not a duty. This is an honor. Are you hearing me? This is an honor. The scripture says this is the honor of all the saints. All of the saints have an honor. And this is what it is. High praise. And this is what it does. It enforces what God paid for. I need some wild people, man. Not, I, 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 I don't need you to scream at me to make me feel better. I need somebody wild enough to, to, to tomorrow morning they're going to go, teach me your ways, O oh Lord. Teach me your ways, O oh Lord. So that your mom and your wife can think right again. So that your kid can actually see Jesus in your eyes and they don't need to blow lines of coke to feel a little better. Are you with me? So, they, so that we don't just say, well, every kid watches porn. No, every kid doesn't watch porn if they receive the pleasures of the Spirit. They don't have time for it. Well, every kid smokes a little weed. Not if he gets whacked by the Holy Spirit. He, he doesn't need it. Are, are you with me? This is the honor of the saints to enforce what has been written. And you know how that happens? It's when somebody goes like this. I don't get it. But Jesus is amazing. I don't get it. That there's a dead body right there. But you're still a healer. You're still resurrection in life. I don't understand it. I don't understand it at all. I don't understand why my grandmother died early. I don't get it. But I know he died for me. The moment you do that, you're putting fetters on princes. Fetters on, on devils that are trying to harass regions. When you start saying God is good... And your city's doing bad. If you're growing up in a rough neighborhood and you say, it's God's desire that the kingdom come here. Oh, but so this is our murder rate. This is the crime rate. All of a sudden, something starts stirring up. You begin to sing the high praise of God. Something happens. This isn't a game. It was three years ago I was sitting in a church. At one church. 
was five years ago, maybe. And an associate pastor got up and said, there's a baby dying right now. We need to pray for him. He's at Disney Pavilion. Help me, uh, David, jump up there. He's at Disney Pavilion. I know I went late tonight, but God, it felt good. Because you, you, you marked my word, something's going to come up and mock what Jesus purchased in your life. And you're going to go, uh-uh. No, no, no. I heard a message on Sunday night. I'm turning the tables now. Because we don't lose. We don't lose. Breakthrough or no breakthrough, we don't lose. You lose if you quit. You lose. Put my body in the ground. You put my body in the ground, I'll be in heaven and I'll be interceding for the saints. Like Obi-Wan Kenobi. If I die, I'll be more dangerous than when I was here. The devil can't win. He cannot win. But it's time we step in and enforce the breakthrough. I walked. I was in that meeting. And one of the associates got up and said, there's a baby dying. He's at Disney Pavilion. He had a stroke. His head is swollen. The brain is swelling. He won't make it unless he gets a miracle. I didn't work there at the church. I wasn't having big meetings then. I was just attending. And something rose up inside of me. Something's a little more. I need more volume on the keys. Just a pad, no piano. So I felt something in my heart say, you go to the hospital. But I'm not even, I don't even have like a big ministry. I don't know. How many of you know that doesn't register in heaven? How big your ministry is? It doesn't matter. So I walked up to the associate pastor and said, can I go? I mean, it could have worked from the church. We could have just released it, but I felt the Lord say, so I went up to Pastor Ron, I said, I'll go. I didn't know what to do when I got there, but I, I want to go. So he said, sure, you can go. He said, I'll need to call the family first. So they called the family. They said, this wild, basically this guy named Michael Leonis, they didn't know who I was. They said, he'd like to come pray for your baby. They said, please send him. How many of you know when, you, when you're desperate, you're not really looking at someone's resume? You know what matters? Will something actually come out of his hand when he touches my kid? Gosh. This is in pomp and circumstance and religious. When my hand hits the baby, will something come out? Will power flow out, break and destroy that yoke of bondage that is trying to steal that baby's life and actually give him his life back? That's what the parent wants. The parent doesn't even care how perfect I am. When you're desperate, you're not judging. Daniel Kalinda said in Jesus 18, Critic, being critical is not a fruit of the spirit hungry people don't give a rip they just want the breakthrough so they said yeah he can come and so I walked in and when I walked in my dad went with me when I walked in it, it was like walking in, into hell there were, it was ICU and people, little kids were on the brink of death and it was intimidating I walked in and something came over me I'll never forget it and for those of you who know me the way I'm preaching tonight but when I preach in general, this is not me. Like, I'm a pretty laid-back guy. I like to fly fish and hit golf balls. None require talking. <laughs> so, so this is what I said when I walked in. <laughs> Only the Holy Ghost can do this. I said, I didn't come here to play games. If you don't believe that this baby can get off this bed right now, and this is the family, 
I need you to leave. Because I came here to rip the claws of Satan off this little baby and get him his life back. That's what I came here to do. Mind you, I had never done it before. But I had his promise. You lay hands on the sick, they will recover. That's what he said. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, cleanse the leper, preach the gospel. That's what he told us to do. You don't have to be born again long to do that. In fact, you don't even really have to be born again. The apostles weren't. So, I said, you need to leave if you don't believe this can happen. I came here to rip the devil's claws off this little baby. And while I'm saying it, I'm going, what are you doing? Don't be so rude. They all backed up and you could feel doubt in the room. They all backed up and said, no, 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 we believe. We We believe. And I looked down at that baby and its head was about as big as a melon, all just one side from the bleeding, the swelling on the brain. And I didn't know what to do. So I stretched my hands out over that little kid. I think he was four or six years old. And I put my hands out and started to sing hallelujah. When in doubt, sing a song. Sing a song. You know, worship unlocks something. The Syrophoenician woman was outside the covenant. Jesus called her a dog. She said, I know how to get the breakthrough. I'll worship him. That's what she did. So we started to sing, and when we did, I felt a wind blow underneath my hands. Literally, a wind went, And when the wind blew, the machine started going off. Beep, 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 beep. And I thought, because one of the wires was on my foot, and I thought, oh, no. This, oh, no. I, am I killing the kid? child. Literally, I thought my foot, I unplugged the oxygen or something or I did something wrong. So I jumped back I go, I'm so sorry, what have I done? And the lady goes, no, 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 no. Keep Whatever you're doing, keep singing, keep worshiping. Dad, those are his vitals. They're reacting. Now when I walked in, the father said, I said, what's the deal? What's the diagnosis? He said, miracle or death. That's what he told me. I'll never forget it. He either gets a miracle right now or he dies. So I just showed up that's all he's asking all of you to do. Just show up. Get, get in the game. And, 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 without even knowing what to do. Just go. Go get out there. All of a sudden, that machine started beeping. I got so freaked out by the machine. I was like, I got to go. Because <laughs> I didn't know. It was wild. And the doctor started coming around. So we left. Within minutes, that baby started breathing on his own. Listen, listen. That baby was out of that hospital. Months later, the sister came. She said, thank you. He's completely fine. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950-640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.